Aside from scoring goals, Inter Milan has also recently scored themselves a 400 million euro five-year bond to refinance another bond that's maturing at the end of this year. This is the episode where football meets finance. Hi, I'm Sarah Chia from Bond Supermart. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about new bond issues and whole discussions on a fixed income market. So today's one is going to be a lot more um, lighthearted um, and on a topic that virtually half or more, I think more, of the world really cares about. So today we have with us Lim Teng Chong, a fixed income analyst from IFAS Singapore to come speak with us about football. You heard that right. Uh, how this all started was when we saw the news about Inter Milan's um, latest five-year Eurobond issue. The first thing that came to my mind was that, you know, I I had no idea football clubs were actually issuing bonds. Um, I'm guessing they're not the first to do this. Yeah, thank you for having me today, Sarah. So yeah, this I think this is a rather interesting topic to talk about <laughs> because usually we don't expect football teams to issue bonds because usually bond issuances, you know, we, we first thing that comes to our mind is companies, you know, corporations yeah. Yeah. instead of uh, football teams. Yeah. So uh, I think this is a rather interesting topic today. And uh, yes, you're right. So usually um, this is not the first uh, bond issued by a football team. So football teams have been actually uh, uh, issuing bonds uh, sporadically throughout the years, usually to finance uh, their new stadium stadiums or facilities. So a little bit of uh, history. So the first bond was issued by Arsenal. Oh. Uh, yeah, so they issued uh, about 200 million worth of bonds uh, with a 13.5-year tenor and uh, also a 7.1-year tenor. Uh, and uh, this uh, was the first publicly marketed uh, asset-backed bond issued by a European football club. And uh, this move to bonds uh, it, uh, uh, actually saved, uh, reduced the club's annual debt service cost to approximately 20 million uh, pounds a year. So usually uh, in the past, they will uh, finance these new stadiums and uh, facilities through bank loans, but uh, they have looked to uh, bond issuances to uh, actually sort of diversify that. Yes, uh, yeah, to look at different ways to actually fund uh, find uh, funding for their mm. for their needs. So actually, some clubs also um, uh, look at the public markets to raise money, so, so such as uh, listing on the stock exchanges. So some examples would be uh, Manchester United; they listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So actually, fun fact: uh, they actually uh, Manu actually uh, contemplated to list on SGX or actually uh, and also the Hong Is Kong, it? yeah, and the Hong Kong Stock Exchange uh, mm. because they want to uh, attract more Asian fan uh, fan base in the area. But eventually they didn't. They didn't. What so an, they. What an interesting way to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because there's a lot of fans uh, in 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 uh, Asia. But uh, eventually they they listed on the New York Stock Exchange instead. And another example would be Juventus uh, from Italy and also uh, Dortmund in Germany. So uh, yeah, these are some examples. Okay. Okay. Well, the thing is now you know Inter Milan as an issuer, um, they're rated B plus by Fitch. Um, they're firmly in junk territory now. Um, can you tell me what you think about their credit profile and their ability to then you know, repay this debt? Hmm. So Inter Milan, like most football clubs, uh, have been hit hard by the pandemic. Mm. This is largely due to the uh, low attendance. Okay, I wouldn't say low attendance. Uh, almost zero attendance <laughs> during the corona uh, pandemic. Uh, so home games were limited to uh, 1,000 spectators and uh, for most part actually there, there was no spectator so it was behind closed doors so mm. they had to play without fans so uh, revenues from home matches uh, for FY21 was actually zero 
for for Inter Milan right. and for actually most football clubs. And uh, their expenses were very high because they have to pay uh, their players' wages. So the expenses were about five hundred and sixty million, and uh, play, player wages actually made up almost half at, at about two hundred and thirty million. So uh, this resulted in a net loss. And uh, Inter Milan actually, uh, if I'm not wrong, has the largest uh, uh, loss uh, among uh, Italian football clubs. Yeah. So right. uh, yeah. So it's a pretty big loss for them uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, they have about ninety million in cash and a uh, borrowings of, of about uh, four hundred and seventy million. So uh, this includes uh, bond loans and shareholder loans and also bank loans as well. So uh, they also owe money to other football clubs from uh, the transfers uh, uh, for the for the players that they transferred in and also uh, and also wages as well. So I think they they weren't paying the players wages for for a couple of months during the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they owe quite a few uh, uh, people uh, wages. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I think for now, um, Inter Milan's ability to pay back its debt is... Uh, the most important part is to... Um, in the rejuvenation of home games revenue and uh, also cost-saving measures to offload some of the higher earning uh, players as well. So to, this to reduce their expenses and also to increase their revenue. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that, you know, the pandemic has been hard on on well, all of us mm. and especially on certain sectors that are very dependent on having these spectators um, having these crowds but other football fans I mean sorry other football clubs have also been hit right I mean how, how did it end up like this for Inter Milan mm. so um, that has been a lingering issue for uh, a majority of football clubs I would say mm. so um, most of the football clubs are actually in uh, quite a bit of debt so I don't think there's a lot of clubs that have uh, no debt at all. So uh, club, debt has been quite an issue for, for football clubs. So uh, actually Inter Milan was already struggling with uh, debt issues before their current owners, uh, Suning, uh, mm. took over the club in 2016. So uh, And this, this problem actually worsened and got um, exacerbated because of the, the pandemic, because of their reduced cash flows and reduced revenues from, from the pandemic. I see. Yeah, so actually um, the owners, Suning, uh, have injected about 600 million euros into the club to, to help them uh, come back from this uh, debt problem. Yeah, but because of the pandemic, their, their owner, their parent company also got affected by the pandemic, which yes. also uh, caused them to not be able to, to, to fund in Inter Milan as much. And uh, also because of political uh, issues as well. So the Chinese government imposed a limit on foreign investments in non-strategic sectors. So this includes football clubs. So uh, this was different because uh, the government was actually encouraging it um, two years ago. So, mm. so this switch caused um, Suning to not be able to invest in, in uh, Inter Milan anymore. Suning actually defaulted on their bond last year, right? Mm, so. Yeah. Okay, everybody <laughs> in that chain is now in, uh, in a crisis. Yes. Okay. okay. So I think with all these factors and um, I think there's also pressure to continue, you know, purchasing players bec- uh, to, to, to continue their prestige and also their standing in the leagues. So this, 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 all these factors uh, added together is what led them to, to the, the debt issues today. Right. Well, Inter Milan, they now, um, with this new bond, they have to pay mm. 6.75% uh, coupon um, on a... 415 million euro bond um, when their last bond was issued um, with a coupon of 4.875%. Okay, and that's due at the end of this year. I mean, 
if I'm just looking at it very from a very simplistic perspective, I mean, they're both five-year bonds. Um, coupon on the latest one is a lot higher than the previous one. I mean, look at it from a perspective. What what does that tell us? So um, there's an increase in uh, just looking at the numbers. There's an increase yeah. in uh, the the financing required. So it's about uh, compared to four point eight seven five percent is now uh, about two percent more. Yeah, it's around there. Yeah. So um, this is also because of the credit profile of uh, Inter Milan. They weakened. It was weakened during the pandemic, mm. and uh, also before, and also the pricing of the bonds before the issuance of this new six point seven five percent bond. So. Uh, before the issuance, the the four point eight seven five percent was trading around uh yields of about six percent. So which lets which 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 also lead to um the pricing of this new bond to be around six percent as well, and also the decrease in the credit rating as well. So mm. Fitch uh we uh lowered their ratings from double B minus to uh B plus. So this also led to a uh, increase. Uh, credit risk for the company for so the that's team. The, the yeah. risk premium that they now have to pay yeah. for that. Okay, let's talk a bit about the bond currency. Why why raise it in euro? I think mainly it's uh because the club is based in uh, Europe, so it will be easier to uh find uh raise money and find investors to to invest in these bonds uh for due to the currency. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Teng Chong, do you think the four hundred ish million bond is you know going to be sufficient to provide the club with the liquidity that it needs? I mean, if we look at it as a business, right? Which I guess it ultimately really is. Um, what steps does the club need to take in order for them to regain their footing again? Hmm. So, uh, I don't think it will. This new issue will actually increase their liquidity because um, this new bond is used to repay its outstanding bonds uh, due in this year. Actually, mm. it has been really been caught already, so it has already been uh, redeemed. Uh, the 2022 bonds and uh, also to refinance its 50 million credit facility. So uh, this is actually to like just roll over um, the previous uh, just debt. yeah to the to a later maturity. So it, it didn't really increase any um, liquidity for the club. Mm. Yeah. So um, and again, Inter Milan will have to pay a higher coupon as well. So this adds to more uh, financing costs for for Inter Milan. So I think um, to regain its footing. Uh, What's most important is the uh, uh, getting back their home games revenue, and also selling players. So, um, so they also sold some of their higher earning players, such as Lukaku, to to Chelsea for about hundred and fifteen million euros. So they will add some uh, so they'll add some revenue to their club, and also uh, Hakimi uh, for six sixty million euros uh, plus, including add-ons. So uh, I think the most important is to get back to uh, healthy cash flows. Uh, uh, and I think now, for now, uh, Europe is starting to open up. I, I think a few days ago, uh, England already ceased all yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, all the restrictions. Yeah, restrictions. So, um, yeah, so we, we likely will see like Europe Europe opening up as well. So, um, yeah, and this this new uh, and the increased uh, revenues from home games will mm. will definitely uh, boost back its uh, cash flows for Inter Milan. Oh, mm. Let's look at it on a not so positive side. <laughs> What if they can't pay back their debt? Then, then what happens? You know, has it also happened to other football clubs? So, uh, a loan of two hundred and seventy-five million euros was provided to Inter Milan by uh, Oak Tree Capital, which uh, the owners Suning have to pay over the course of three three years. Okay. Uh, with interest, and if they do not pay this, uh, majority stake, majority stake of the club will go to Oak Tree Capital, and they'll become the new owners. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And this is quite um similar to uh. Uh, Inter's Milan rivals 
AC Milan, which is also in Milan, okay. and they share the same stadium as well. So this is quite similar because uh, in 2018, uh, they, uh, inter- AC Milan was actually owned by a Chinese owner as well. So uh, Li Yong Hong. So uh, his investment vehicle uh, was forced to hand over control of the club to Elliott Management Corporation after failing to keep up uh, with his ro- loan repayments to the, to the same hedge fund. So... Um, so it is quite startlingly similar. Yeah. In, because they have Chinese owners. Uh, they, uh, in the they, same city. <laughs> yeah, in the same city. And if they fail to pay the bonds, mm. uh, not bonds, sorry, loans, then um, they will have to hand over their, their stake in the club to, 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 to these uh, investment companies. So, yeah. But what happens beyond this? You know, like what could happen? Can they actually go bankrupt? Uh, yes. So uh, clubs, football clubs can go bankrupt. Uh, actually, there's a few football clubs that... Uh, are going under administration right now, so it's because uh, the owners cannot pay back uh, their their debt obligations. So uh, I think first thing most likely is the club will go up for sale. So mm. uh, Inter Milan is actually uh, they uh, Suning did put up Inter Milan for sale. So I think it was uh, oh yeah. So I think they bought it for about uh, one billion euros. So uh, I think there's there's offer of about nine hundred million, which they turned down. Because I, I think they want to get back their their original capital and not uh, sell the lot, uh, club for a loss. So I don't think they are rushing to sell, but they are looking into uh, new owners to, to purchase the club. So um, And the new owner with maybe better financial cap- uh, capability will be able to run the club better by injecting more money. Mm. Yeah, so uh, the next worst case, uh, the worst case scenario will be liquidation, where the clubs have to sell their their players and uh, sell their, their their assets to 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 repay these obligations. But um, uh, before liquidation, they're going to administration where accountants will start to run the club uh, okay. instead of the owners. So they okay. will they will try to cut their expenses to 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 restructure the club. Mm. Yeah, and uh, in England, when a club goes into administration, they will have points deduction. Yeah. So this. <laughs> yeah. So from from the league. So because um they don't want people to uh be uh borrow money, buy a lot of players, then uh and get a good uh, standing in the league, right? And and then uh, go into administration. Okay. Then they just win the league, you know. So they, it is to force um uh force the, the owners to really think about how they're using their cash. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, fun fact. Mm. Um, I'm just thinking that you know that the the base case scenario. Um, since the liquidation, the administration, the fact that it's a wildly popular sport, right? You've got a lot of people who are very keen on buying football clubs, very keen on investing in football clubs. So that that sounds quite positive to me. You know, it sounds like it could be very well a happy ending, especially the, the the club is popular. So does it mean that? I mean, just looking at that, it is relatively safe to be holding bonds or football clubs. Mm, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, not necessary, la, Because um, we still have to look at the credit profile. Because uh, mm. even if a new owner comes in, uh, the debt problem will still be there. They have to uh, either inject more money, and and to to prospective owners, they will think like, um, why will you purchase, uh, uh, an entity with so much debt, unless um you are really passionate about the club that you really want to save it. But uh, I think most owners that actually do this uh, think of it as a business perspective. I see. So um, uh, they might. Uh, so it also depends on the the new prospective owners whether they have uh, the financial capability mm-hmm. to uh, actually run the club well. 
And um, uh, so I think it, to be safe before uh, purchasing uh, maybe even stocks or bonds from football clubs, it's, it's best to look at their fundamentals and see whether um, uh, the business structure and also the club structure uh, is able to be sustainable in yeah, the so long run. So that's where football meets finance. Yes. You still have to do your due diligence. Yes. Okay. So then, we, we speak, I mean, we've been talking about, about football all this time. Who is your favourite football club? Uh, Manchester United. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a very popular one also. Um, mm. Would you, as a regular investor, feel compelled to, to buy the bonds mm. issued by them? You know, if mm. they were to, or, you know, stock, mm. would you feel compelled to invest? Okay, I think coming from a fan's perspective, mm. let's say, hypothetically, mm. I'm, I'm very rich, I'm a billionaire. Then yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, definitely. You know, like I would want to help my club and mm. uh, to to save them from their debt problems. You mm. know, but um, th- okay, now thinking from a more analyst point of view. Okay. Okay. Then uh, I wouldn't suggest uh, buying uh, bonds from football clubs because uh, looking at the way that um, how club uh, how a football club earns money, it's. Um, it's really largely dependent on uh, spectators and also um, jersey sales. Mm. And um, this also leads to uh, uh, having good players, which also means that you need to have uh, a lot of money to buy these good players. If not, you have to train them yourself. So um, it's very... Uh, the, the growth of the, of the football club is very, it's, it's not very high growth. And uh, its cash flows are very, um, are very tight in the in the sense that if any, um, if any uh, cash flow is uh, being impacted, then the whole club will 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 stand to uh, look at losses for for the for the quarter. So, so uh, I wouldn't recommend because um, and additionally, there's a lot of debt involved in football clubs. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't recommend in buying uh, football club loans uh, bonds. I see. I see. Well, okay, so one thing that I want to be very clear about, um, not to you, but to, to, to listeners, is that issuers, companies and governments who issue debt, they, they don't do it because they're on the brink of collapse. Um, we're not trying to say that all debt issuers are distressed. Issuers issue debt because they need to borrow money, be it for general corporate usage, refinancing of debt, um, new, finan- uh, new expansion plans, so on and so forth. You know, But it doesn't mean that they are on the verge of default. So what we're trying to understand today are, are two things, really. Um, one, why is something like bonds so seemingly intertwined with the corporate world, with the finance world, is also something that is relevant to um, um, something that's so beloved by people all around the world, which is you know football. Um, and secondly, what from Inter Milan's new bond issuance can we learn about bonds? Mm, so I think the... the uh main takeaway is uh, football clubs acts like a company, you know. Mm. So they have their own board and uh, players uh, are their staffs and also their assets as well because they can sell them and uh, and team staff as employee and stadiums as their assets. So uh, unlike a normal company, there's also pressure from fans to, to do well, which also leads to them being pressurized to actually buy a certain player, maybe uh, being forced to pay them high wages because mm. they have to do perform well in their, in their leagues. So um, this may lead to bad capital management um, to, to buy players that they cannot afford. And uh, I think that, uh, a successful football club um, 
uh, doesn't mean that they have good uh, capital management. Even though the branding of the the, the club, they are being they are very valuable, doesn't mean that they are rich or like have good capital management to to uh, afford these players. So I think that's the the biggest like misconception within mm. uh, like football clubs. Yeah, I guess it's the same. Like if you see a new friend or I mean a friend or a colleague coming with a new Rolex. <laughs> Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, they've, they've got, they've made bank or they have a bunch of money, they're very rich. Sometimes it just yeah. means that people are just more willing to spend. I guess that applies the same to football. Uh, yes, yeah, that's true. I think that's a really good analogy. Yeah, so, so, so I think we sometimes we get blinded, you know, with like the headlines where we see players being bought for hundreds of millions of dollars. Definitely. Then we, 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 we get this um, uh, perception that, wow, this club is very rich and mm. they are uh, yeah, able to afford these players. They're but, doing very well. Yeah, but I think... I mean, looking at Barcelona right now, uh, they're also one of the most valuable football clubs uh, in the world. Mm. And they cannot afford their star player, Messi, and they are being forced to sell sell him. So I think that that also shows that, you know, being valuable, being uh, valued very highly, um, um, they, you still have debt problems within within the club. Yeah, I think that goes to... I mean, that that applies to all the corporates around the world as well, right? With what we're seeing. Yeah. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you so much for this chat today, Ting Chong. Um, honestly, I think this might be one of the most interesting <laughs> podcast episodes I've done so far. I'm hoping that by bringing bonds and, and football together, it will make it um, easier for investors or anyone out there to really understand bonds better. Um, after all, that's why we are running this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, I agree. This is one of the most uh, interesting podcasts that I've done. And uh, I hope there's, uh, the viewers get, uh, and listeners out there you know, get uh, takeaway and, and find this episode interesting and get to know a, li- a little bit more about bonds because uh, through something that is more relatable mm. to them. Yeah. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia, and our guest speaker with us today is Lim Teng Chong, fixed income analyst at IFAS Singapore. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook, and Telegram to get first-hand updates on new bond issues, credit updates, and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website, bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.